Hi, this is Tim Mackesy from Atlanta, Georgia. I have a special guest here today. Please introduce yourself. Tell us your background of stuttering and what then brought you to need some help in the year 2020. Sure. My name is Erin, and I'm 45. I'm a master's level social worker, and I work with uh, cancer patients. I used to stutter every single word when I was growing up, um, when I first started to learn how to talk. And I was bullied and mocked and teased all through my childhood schooling. And But I did take speech therapy, and it gradually got better and better. By the time I got to high school, I was doing so much better, and I really didn't need speech therapy anymore. Um, and over the years, um, I did okay. I didn't really even think about stuttering for in my 20s and 30s very much at all. Um, it, would, it would occasionally come out, but not very often. As 2020 hit um, and the pandemic, we all had to start uh, talking on the phone more. Um, I do a lot of in-person counseling and also on the phone with, with um, cancer patients. And when the pandemic hit, obviously we were limiting our, our face-to-face contact. And being on the phone, I really started, started noticing that my stuttering was getting a lot worse. My anxiety was a lot higher. I think the pandemic has caused anxiety for everyone. So not just the cancer patients I was working with, but also the, the counselors that, I was, that I've been working with too, um, who's provide the counseling, they also have had anxiety too. So coupled with everything that's been going on, my stuttering, I've just noticed, just gotten a lot worse. And so I did some research to see if I can get some help and I found you. Well, thank you, Aaron. You finished your master's in social work in 03. Yes. 17 year, years ago. And you said that during that program, you frequently had to talk, do presentations, do PowerPoints. And at that stage of your life in 03, you basically were not a person who stutters. I mean, you were doing all of these things that placed great demands on your speech and you're being graded for your ability to communicate. And then that whole time period, you're speaking fine. You're no longer thinking of yourself as a person who stutters. Then 17 years after that, in the year 2020, the pandemic happens. And what we discovered was that your phobia of the telephone was the thing that created an exacerbation of stuttering. What I mean, it's almost as though you had malware hidden in a file, the fear of phone calls, and then you had to make phone calls all day long. Not necessarily FaceTime, but just ordinary phone calls, then some FaceTime or Zoom also. So the way I put it after working with you is that your old beliefs about stuttering on the telephone that had gone back 20 years plus, they reared their head. Then you began to stutter on the phone. Then you began to anticipate stuttering on the phone. Then you began to project on your listeners, on your patients. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that phenomenon happened 
what you've learned about the, the nature of anxiety within stuttering? Yes, I would be on the phone with, with a patient and I started thinking, oh my goodness, they're going to hear me stuttering. And I started projecting onto them, which is what you would just said, uh, meaning I started projecting meaning to what I thought they could be thinking. And without any basis of any sorts of reality or anything that I actually knew, and that would make me stutter worse because I started thinking, oh my goodness, because a lot of my job is to provide education about things like social security disability or things like Medicare. So I'm trying to provide this very detailed about amount of information and my stuttering would just start, my anxiety started getting high. And so one of the things I learned from you is to, that I was projecting my thoughts on that and that just to slow down when I'm talking to patients and to help lower my anxiety so that I could get through it better and my stuttering is, has really improved. Mm -hmm. It was hard at the beginning of 2020 or at, at the beginning of the pandemic to put into perspective that a patient who's suffering from cancer who desperately needs your advice and your help that they're so worried about the fact that you might stutter on the phone. It's hard to wrap our arms around that if we're a person who stutters. If I'm a teacher who stutters, I can be really concerned about what are my graduate students thinking in a lecture when I stutter, and I can make that more important than the value like my PhD has in teaching them chemistry or something like that. But if you're a person who stutters or treats stuttering, you understand the power of projecting, the belief that people will judge the stuttering. As you poked around on my website at the beginning of 2020, apparently you spotted my certifications in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. You studied it years ago. Tell me what you learned from NLP and how you applied it in your work. I think, um, yes, I learned neurolinguistic programming in the early 2000s. I actually studied it for about two or three years. And it has been a long time, um, but I have found that I use it um, pretty much on a day-to-day -day basis, um, such as rapport building when I'm talking to people and especially when we're doing short-term ther therapy and helping with goal setting um, and things like that and and magical thinking and just helping helping patients with that um, especially when they're feeling down or they're having an anxiety to I a lot of it I don't remember to speak very thoroughly about it because it has been so long but I did see that you, New, new NLP and it was fascinating to me because I had never used NLP with my stuttering before. So even when I learned NLP back in the early 2000s and I went through all this practice work, I don't remember ever actually using it for that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really coming back to me now mm -hmm. and being able to apply it, um, such as the uh, pro projection on, onto others, um, mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense. If you, if you look on the internet, there are a lot of dis, d, disparaging remarks. And 
for example, if you look on to, to, to Wikipedia, they attempt to shred it. And NLP, they call it a pseudoscience. And they're missing the forest for the trees. So here you are, you're 45 years old, you're in a crisis with stuttering, you have anxiety about calling, the fear of calling, your stuttering has exacerbated and taken you back to childhood. What are your choices? To get medicated, to quit, or to get some, some counseling? And your personal use of NLP for years with your patients and the success it had made you think, hmm, what if it's applied to me? I just need a coach or a guide to help me with that. Right. Now, what's interesting is if you look up solution-focused brief therapy, solution-focused brief therapy, according to some, is based in evidence and it's received well and respected around the world for therapy. A lot of people don't know that the founder of solution-focused brief therapy, Steve DeShazer, all of his background was in NLP. So when someone disses NLP, they could only diss it also. And people just don't understand his background. It is my personal opinion, after using NLP for uh, 25 years, that it's a giant toolbox. Like if you go to have your car worked on, your mechanic has a toolbox that's approximately five feet high with a dozen drawers and all the tools. That NLP is a giant toolbox of different strategies. And so it's, it's powerful. The fact that I can communicate in this microphone right now or even say my name is accredited to the removal of my anxiety about stuttering because of NLP, period. And for 25 years, I've been helping people using techniques that come from NLP to reduce their anxiety, fear, and avoidance. If we're just working on the strategy, like my name is Tim, if I have anxiety during the phone call or when I order food at a restaurant, I'm going to end up stuttering. So anxiety about stuttering is well known. In the DSM-5, it describes stuttering as social anxiety. That's people are afraid to stutter. So we need a method, some strategies to work on anxiety. So you came in the beginning of 2020 here. And can you give us an idea of some of the strategies that you learned or relearned to apply to yourself? Yes, I think one of them that I remember is to go back to a time where I was stuttering and to think of it in a different way. Um, almost like, I think we used to call it parts therapy in NLP, but where you're looking at the part of you um, that had certain thoughts and ideas about stuttering and to look at any kind of negative thoughts that you might have had and to reframe them into something more positive. And that has helped me. And it's very, it's been very interesting to use those, those techniques about my stuttering. And it, and it makes those memories, um, it's almost like you're, 
you're looking down on the memory and you're not, you, you don't have as many negative thoughts and feelings about them once you go through that, mm-hmm. that technique. Exactly. CBT can also be called reframing. It can also be called co- cognitive reorganization. So remember we talked about you having some malware left over the fear of phone calls that might have gone back to, to childhood that came to life um, in 2020. So we went back on your timeline, which is part of, of NLP, is called timeline therapy. And you can look up Tad James uh, and timeline therapy. So we went back on your timeline. We found moments that were traumatic with stuttering, and you re-imprint them, you reframe them, you change the way you look at it, and then the memory no longer has the power. I've met people in their 50s that can recall stuttering events that were 40 years ago or 50 years ago uh, that they can still feel in their body, which is called somatic memory. So we did go back on your timeline we found some of those early experiences of stuttering that your unconscious mind still had sentiment. You could actually feel them. Then we went to the beginning of the pandemic and we visited different moments that set off your phone phobia during the pandemic. So those are some skill sets within um, the skill set of NLP that, that people want to diss. The thing is, is you're sitting here, it's worked. You've only been coming in here about two months. And um, how well do you do you do on the phone now? I do a lot better. I find that I even have found myself feeling more comfortable if it's needed, which isn't that often. Actually saying I have a stutter and telling a patient that, and I never would have done that before. And... Mm it kind of lessens the energies around it by mm-hmm. saying that. And they don't ever say anything. You know, most of the time people are quiet and then we just keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never would have called it out before. And I feel like it helps me get through the conversation. Um, I don't always need to do that. Um, but I do feel like I'm able to um, have the conversations a lot clearer and mm-hmm. smoother now, especially towards the end of the day when you're tired. Very good. So when you disclose, sometimes I stutter, you project less. Yes. You're less worried about what if they find out I stutter? And that's a huge part of stuttering. What if I stutter? There's a great movie called When I Stutter. Maybe part two will be What If I Stutter. Um, so another thing, you know, when it comes to speech anatomy and speech science we discovered that when you were in a panic, you would take a deep breath. And on top of a breath, what happens? You end up, you can barely breathe at that point. On Mm -hmm. top of the breath, you end up, you have a much higher risk of stuttering. Right. Exactly. So when a person has panic, panic is felt in the soma. At the diaphragm area, you feel panic, blood leaves for your extremities and you're in the fight or flight response. Your diaphragm muscle tightens and you take shallow, quick breaths. If I take a shallow, quick breath, then I hit a stutter. It's a dramatic, massive stutter. So you've learned 
taking a deep breath immediately before a stutter translates into a bigger stutter. Yes, and I didn't even realize I was doing that until I started coming to you. Mm-hmm. I started noticing that, especially when I was on the phone, I was taking lots of deep breaths, like, <gasps> before I even mm-hmm. started to get something out. Mm-hmm. And although I'm still doing it sometimes, because it's something that I think I've been doing for years, I'm not doing it nearly as often. Mm-hmm. One of, of, of my podcasts explains exactly how human beings breathe, and if you stutter, how breathing can be affected by stuttering and fear and anxiety. And for SLPs to be very careful messing with breathing, it explains the whole thing. So please look at the podcast and find the one in respect to breathing. So again, Beginning of 2020, some old malware about stuttering was maybe in in a file inside your brain. And when you were confronted with phone calls from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. or whatever, the phobia of stuttering set off. And old beliefs and so forth, uh, they opened like, like a file full of malware opened. And the solution was the psychological part of, of stuttering. We we're also very thorough with the speech part. I know one of the things I encourage you to do is make phone calls in front of the mirror. When you made phone calls in front of the mirror, what what did that do for you that, that was helpful? Well, I noticed um, that I wasn't making eye contact when I started to stutter, and that was something else that you had showed me. I didn't even realize I was doing it. Um, and so looking in the mirror, I was, I would make eye contact with myself and that would help, help me not stutter as well. Mm -hmm. Um, if you are a person who stutters and you're looking at yourself in the mirror during a phone call and you find yourself averting eye contact from yourself, there's shame in there. There's shame and embarrassment. So getting you in front of the mirror, teaching you how to start on an exhale. Hi, this is Aaron. Um, starting your speech on exhale, if you ha- had a stutter like that, you would maintain eye contact. We also did some wild and woolly discussion of some little fake stutters, which desensitize the person who stutters. I stopped projecting. As you mentioned, you began to disclose to people I stutter, which again reframes the whole thing because you found that a lot of what you were doing was trying to not stutter. And then there's a difference between asking myself, why am I stuttering? And then re- replacing that with, how am I stuttering? So you want to share a little bit about how you learned the key essential thing here for you in, in 2020 was, how am I stuttering? I think um, you're right, because I hadn't thought about how it was happening, um, only that it was and I think all the things that we just talked about, like taking a deep breath, I'd be stuttering. Um, also, just the words, it's just the way I was, I've been, I don't know, I'm not sure how to explain it very well. Mm-hmm. I think you explain it way better than me. Okay. <laughs> well, we had to do what I call some CSI 
when you're about to call a customer, so you'd be in my office yes. with your eyes closed. You're not a customer, a client, or a client or a patient. Okay, so you're about to call the patient. What are you thinking or feeling about the prospect of stuttering? So what I was doing before was I started thinking I might stutter during this call and the anxiety would go up and I would call and I would stutter. So And then you would beat beat yourself up for stuttering. I would. After the call I would start thinking, wow, I really stuttered a lot during that conversation with that patient. Mm-hmm. When we're totally absorbed with, I'm stuttering. Why am I stuttering? What's going on? I, we're overwhelmed. That's why I say we have to change why to how. And I helped you use your foundation in NLP to turn it into how to investigate. And it is so rewarding um, to understand the, the cognitive part of stuttering, the anxiety, fear, avoidance, and then the physical body part, start on an on exhalation, maintain eye contact, uh, avoid taking a deep breath before a stutter, or it, it, if you have a stutter, release the stutter on an exhale versus sucking in a new breath and blocking again. So in closing, it is so neat to work with you as you're giving back to people with cancer five days a week, person who stutters, who has more empathy than the average person. You've picked a job or career to help people. You could have easily picked one that you don't have to talk. Um, Is there anything out there you want to share to people who maybe... uh, worried about pursuing a career if they stutter? Like, one did you have to talk? I think you need to just go for it. And if there's a career that you really want where you have to talk, just do it. Because I've been able to do it, and it gets better. And you will be able to reach a point where you're not stuttering as much. Maybe you just need to open up that that uh, toolbox and... Mm-hmm. I mean, I even worked at a call center at one point um, where I was answering phones all day. So just try not to um, hide behind uh, email and uh, computers where you're not not Mm -hmm. talking as much. If if a career in speaking is something that you really want to do, I say go for it. Yeah, any of you out there in in high school or college who want to become a nurse or Mm -hmm. a teacher, anything... Just do it. If your heart is saying you want to do it to give back and help people, then stuttering, you will not let stuttering be the thing that stops you. So thank you so much, Erin, for your thoughts today. Thank you.